to say I'm not going to be long because I said that last week and I ended up going long. <laughs> so I'm not going to say <laughs> But we'll see. We'll continue along our theme. <laughs> Amen. You know, the church in the midst of Babylon, but we're going to take a little different spin with it, kind of. Uh, you know, because we're going to talk about a, a specific word today. And uh, it's... Uh, it's shown throughout the Bible. It's a five-letter word, and it's a powerful five-letter word. And it's something that God has shown since he created man. And that word is mercy. All right? So, because, you know, even in Babylon, Daniel showed mercy. God showed mercy. You know, all, you know, from Genesis to Revelation, mercy is there. But especially in the book of Daniel. And it's something that, you know, we, we can glance over, but... When we look at Daniel, God showed mercy with Daniel. Because God gave Daniel and the three Hebrew boys favor with the master and the eunuchs. And he gave them favor with Nebuchadnezzar when they were brought before him. Right? And he showed he he uh he showed mercy with the wise men. When Nebuchadnezzar was going to destroy all the wise men. But he revealed Nebuchadnezzar's dream to Daniel. And the wise men were spared. Right? Who else did he show mercy to in Daniel? He showed mercy to all the kings, whether it was Darius, whether it was Cyrus, to Nebuchadnezzar. He showed mercy to Nebuchadnezzar because he revealed to Nebuchadnezzar what was going to happen to him, his fall, and that, and also his restoration. And when he lost the kingdom, when he went out, when he had his bout with mental illness, God restored it to him. That's God's mercy. He didn't have to do that. And really, also, he showed, God, he showed mercy to Nebuchadnezzar's son. Even though it doesn't appear that he did, because Nebuchadnezzar's son was the one who saw the handwriting on the wall. And, and Daniel came to interpret it. And see, Nebuchadnezzar's son, all he had to do was really repent. All he had to do was repent. But he didn't repent. And then he got killed that day. And it came to pass. But see, God is full of mercy. And it's something that we have to exercise. We, we have to utilize. And, you know... Even in the tribulation period, it's God's mercy. That's God's mercy. You know, we look at the tribulation period as judgment, but it's really God's mercy because, you know, just taking the church aside, just looking at Israel, right? So Israel makes a pact with the Antichrist, we know that, and for three and a half years they're in peace. But then the Antichrist, then they, they see the Antichrist for who he is, and then he does what? Along with the other nation, persecutes him. And then they have to go out. But see, he does that because they turn and they, they turn their hearts back to him. They turn their hearts back to him. They come back to him. And then even though they run, they have to go and they have to flee in the wilderness, God has a special place for them to protect them where he's going to provide for them. See, that's his mercy. And his whole word, the Bible, is his mercy to us because he laid it all out for us. And we can see what's going to happen. And we're going to see even with Daniel, God's mercy, because Daniel studied the word. And that's how he was able to see. And we're going to read that. That's how he was able to see what was coming and even how they were going to be restored and go back. But it's all because it was all in the scriptures and things that he's read. So mercy is not listed as a fruit of the spirit, but it is a fruit of the spirit. Because mercy actually means this. In, in, uh, in the Hebrew, mercy means goodness, kindness, faithfulness. All three of those characteristics are fruit of the Spirit. And see, because God, that is a character of God, so that should be a character of God's people. We have to display mercy. And see, even when I talked about last week when I read 1 Corinthians 5, when... Um, Actually, let, let's turn there. First Corinthians five. Uh, 
First Corinthians 5 and 9. I'm going to read it again. We read it last week. But I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people, yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortionists or idolaters since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reveler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person, right? So that is really an extension of God's mercy because if God wasn't being merciful, you think about it, he would have them stay in church. Even though they're sinning and, and just go and, and, and continue in their sin and still go to church, what do I normally always say? Don't be the one that go to church and still go to hell. But see, that God's mercy in an effort that now, if they do get excommunicated and put out the church, now hopefully they will repent. They will repent and then come back. And then as they repent, now we welcome them back. We don't just isolate them because Paul talks about that in another scripture in Corinthians. So that is God's mercy. So in fact, if we sit up here and we, we see and we know people, and I'm not talking about somebody who, and this is not what Paul's talking about because I don't know if I said this last week, somebody who, who is walking with the Lord and then they slip up. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about people who are practicing these things over and over. And they're... they're are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Christians that are practicing these things who are in the church. And, and But that is a God's mercy. So if we don't call it for what it is and we don't address them, then we're not actually showing mercy to them. Right. And, and we're actually aiding and abetting to their destruction. And that shouldn't be. That's God's mercy. And also, I want to show you this, uh, the word uh, company the word company there actually means to mix up together. So we're not the so we shouldn't even be in churches with them together like that when they're practicing these things. That shouldn't be. So we shouldn't be mixing up with them. And see, again, if we allow those things to happen, then we're not being merciful. And we have to be careful of that. See, God wants us as his people to take advantage of his mercy, not take it for granted. See, taking advantage of this, if we do slip up, we do mess up, now we repent. That is taking advantage of God's mercy. But if we take it, by taking it for granted, that's when we turn around and we know we slipped up. We see the word, we experience conviction, but yet we continue to do it over and over and over until finally we're like, all right, well, God, I'm still good. God's, God's not judging me yet. Because, see, we got to understand, God's not the type of God where he's going to come down, we, we do something wrong, and boom, kill us right then and there. No, he's not. He's not going to do that. that. That's not, see, that that he's not going to do that with us, right? But we will slowly destroy ourselves. The more times we continue to do those things, then all of a sudden, it, he begins to get silent and silent and silent. And now we're wondering where he's at. And then now we're trying to get back. And remember what Hebrew says, right? Once you you experience the glory, you fall back. It's almost near impossible for you to come back. And we don't want to find ourselves down in that boat. So, to take advantage of God's mercy, if we slip up, yeah, we just repent and we, we, we come back. But we don't continue to practice doing wrong. We don't continue, to, you know, when we know to do right and we do wrong, we don't do those things. That's, that, that's taking God's mercy for granted because, see, and each time we wake up every day, that's God's mercy. Because if you think about it, God could actually destroy the world. Because what? Mankind has sinned. You know, we've all sinned. Every one of us. Right? Everyone that's walked this earth from Adam outside of Jesus has sinned. And he could have destroyed this world because we turned our backs on him. But God is merciful. So if God is merciful to us, how can we not be merciful to others? Amen. And, Amen. and the fact that God work through Daniel as an extension of his mercy, God will work through us as an extension of his mercy. And, and see, we have to understand these things. So let's turn to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. So this is a chapter that is not read that often when it comes to Daniel. But when we talk about Daniel being an intercessory prayer warrior, that's really what, what this chapter is about here. So the only thing, you know, usually when it comes to Daniel, we talk about the fiery furnace, the uh, 
the sparing of the wise men, um, Daniel and the lion's den, and then the visitations, and the dreams, and the visions. It, but Daniel chapter 9 is where Daniel comes, and he intercedes, and he prays. All right, let me get there first. So, I'm going to begin at verse 2. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of, in the desolation of Jerusalem. So, understand, we wonder how Daniel and the three Hebrew boys were able to submit to Nebuchadnezzar. It was because of the scriptures. And it's because of the scriptures Daniel knew how things were going to unfold. So how do we know that? Because he read it in Jeremiah. So what we have to understand is this. The same Jeremiah we read, the same Isaiah we read, the same Rebecca we read, is the same scriptures Daniel read. So we should read it that much more. So what was Daniel reading? Let's turn to Dan, uh, excuse me, Jeremiah 23. Churches suing left and right. Over and over and over. They're suing each other. There was churches in uh, 
South Carolina, they sued each other. And that shouldn't be. That that shouldn't be. But the scriptures clearly say, do not sue. Amen. But yet, we go against the word. And see, we're constantly going to work. We're going against the word because we don't know the word. And see, remember, the prophets, the false prophets were sitting up there telling, um, telling the kings and everybody else in Israel, oh no, God's going to deliver us from Babylon. But Jeremiah, the one prophet, kept saying, no, we're going to go into captivity. We're going to go into captivity. This is what the Lord's saying. But they didn't obey the word of the Lord. And we can't find ourselves in the midst of like that today, in the church today. We can't find ourselves like that, but we have to obey the word of the Lord. And we can't get caught up in doing the things according to Babylon, regardless of what they do, because we have to extend mercy. Not only do we extend mercy to our Christian brothers and sisters, but we have to extend mercy to those who are unsaved as well. Why? Because God extends his mercy to them, and God extended his mercy to us when we didn't know him, when we were out there in the world rebelling against him. I said I was rebelling against him, but he extended his mercy to me, Amen. to where I'm here today. Amen. So, Daniel's obedience to the word of God <laughs> led to the king's experience, the movement of God. So, <laughs> we have to understand, our obedience to the word of God will cause people to take a step back sometimes. And remember, these kings weren't saved. Nebuchadnezzar comes back and repents later on, but we have to be mindful and, and, and we have to understand that as we walk in obedience to the word of God, now people take notice. All right? Have you ever been at work where somebody comes to you and says, hey, Marie, can you pray for me? All right? Or when I'm sitting up here at home, somebody texts me, hey, I need prayer. Can you pray for me? Somebody at my job. And I'm talking about not somebody that's saved, somebody that's unsaved that does those things. Why? Because it's obedience to the Word of God. See, I don't have to go and force myself on people. They, they see the fruit. They see the character. And that's how we have to be. We, we, we have to show the character of Christ Amen. in that. So, and I, and I think sometimes we, you know, <laughs> sometimes we don't know what to do as Christians. And, and, you know, I'm saying we because, you know, we've probably all been there. <laughs> that that we, we, we want to do something for God so much that we tend to force ourselves a lot of times on Him. Let's try to force Him rather than move sometimes. And that's really our flesh. But Daniel never forced God to move. Daniel just prayed. Daniel walked in obedience. And that's what he did. Because outside of Jesus, for somebody that's mentioned as many times in the Bible as Daniel, there's not one negative thing mentioned about Daniel in the Bible. Three times in the book of Daniel, when he has when he's before an angel. Daniel, man, greatly beloved. Why? Because he walked in obedience. He walked in obedience to the word of God. And that's what we have to do. That's what's pleasing to God when we walk in obedience to his word. Amen. Amen. So, I'm sure Daniel, as a government official, was busy. You know, you see these presidents, when they go into the White House, when they first get elected, they have partial gray hairs. I'm not going to say they all have black hair, but by the time they finish their four years or eight years, their hair is a whole different color. Right? So, it, it, they're busy, they're stressful, but Daniel always found, found time to pray. Why? Because prayer is the most important thing we can do as Christians. I'm going to say that again. Prayer is the most important thing that we can do as Christians. Amen. But it's the most overlooked thing that we can do as Christians. Prayer is the most, it ain't outreach. It is not outreach. <laughs> Amen. All right? It's not even it's, it's not even worship. Amen. Right? It's not even worship. Right? And it's not even evangelism. It's prayer. Amen. It's the most important thing that we can do. And the second most important thing we can do is study his word. Amen. Because if we have one and two, everything else is gonna fall in line. That's right. But we can do outreach, we can do evangelism. Wisdom, we can go through the motions of worship and our hearts not be right. And we're going through all these things and our hearts, our, our lips are there and the words are there, but our hearts are far from it. That's right. And, it's the, and that's why I say prayer. And, you know, and I thought about this today. 
You know, we're actually here longer on Wednesdays than we are here on Saturday nights. Which is actually a good thing. Yeah. Is, yeah, it's a good thing. Because, as you know, Wednesdays is our prayer night. You know, we do a little Bible study here. But, you know, there was time we finished, what, 10, 10.30 at time. Prayer, because prayer is the most important thing. So even as we go downtown, you saw we started out initially, well, it was just us, and then we became a group, and then all of a sudden people started to die out. because, And then even when people came on Wednesdays, well, you know, can't stay too long. They'll stay for the word, and then they'll stay to get their, their needs met, and then that's it, you know. And it, it, it and and I get it. Sometimes we, you know, we got things going on, but some sometimes people made it a habit of that, and that shouldn't be. That shows the priority on prayer. But if it was socializing, they had no problem with that, and that shouldn't be. That that's not that's not that's not putting God first. Amen. All right, so. How much should we be obedient to the word as God's God's elect? See, because it's important for us to know how do we cast down the fiery darts if we don't know the word? Amen. See, the devil speaking lies and speaking all sorts of things to our minds every day, right? Because he's the prince of the power of the air. So no matter what we, but how do we cast it down? How do we, you know, we have to know the word of God and say, no, that's not what the word says. And see, he's crafty, just like I talked about when Jesus was in the wilderness. Some of the things he said, it was, it was actually the word, but he took it out of context. And this is why it's important for us to understand the context of things. And I forgot to say this, even with Daniel, the whole book of Daniel, from, from chapter 1 to 12, we have to understand that it's not written in chronological order, neither. Neither is Revelation, neither. So, if we read these things and we don't know these things, now we start taking things out of context. But that's why we, we would study. That's why we're to be in a good church where we're teaching the Word. Right. <laughs> and so we get these things. You know, it's not something that you necessarily have to go to Bible college about. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you're getting good, sound teaching, you're going to learn these things. Amen. All right. So, do we wonder sometimes why holiness is not taught in the church? Right, because when I did the teaching on it, and I asked, a lot of people said, well, actually, mostly everybody said, no, never heard this like this before, right? Holy Ghost, so let's turn to Second Peter chapter 3. Him is putting him first. 
Because what we have to understand, the more time we give God, He'll give time back to us. Amen. That's that, that's that reaping and sowing. See, we apply the money all the time, but that's that reaping and sowing. We give Him the time, He will give us the time. See, we think we run out of time for a lot of stuff, but all we have to do is give Him the time. And He will make time for us. Remember, He can stop time. He can stop time. That's right. He can stop time. So why should we be anxious about that? We, should, we shouldn't be caught up in that. Amen. That's right. Amen. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> so, speaking of reverence, so let's go to Daniel 5. Let's see how Daniel was viewed. Receive his fruit. 
And the vine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. Just like they do with the prophets. Yeah. Verse 36. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did likewise to them. Then, last of all, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? Verse 41. They said to him, He will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus said to them, Have you never read the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whoever it falls, it will grind him to power. So whoever the stone falls on will be broken. We'll be humble. We'll be humble. Right? So now it will grind into power. That's where the judgment comes in. Verse 45. Now when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitudes because they took him for a prophet. So they knew who he was. They knew who he was. See, if the wise men could come, <laughs> If they come from Babylon, Persia, all based on the interpretation of what Daniel wrote and how Daniel interpreted the scriptures. Now, mind you, these are hundreds of years later that the wise men came. How does the experts who are supposed to know the scriptures, and remember, the wise men weren't even Jews. They weren't even Jews. And the same thing goes on today. We bypass the things of what God is telling us to do from his word in an effort to please people and things like that. And guess what? The churches today are doing the same thing that the religious leaders did. They're rejecting the word. They rejected the word, which was Jesus. We're rejecting the word. And we're coming up with our own interpretations. We're coming up with things to make it easy for people when God says no. Because his mercy is speaking the truth. So, yes, it sounds hard, but it's really God's mercy is what we should be given and what we should be speaking, which is the true word. All right, yeah. now let's go back to Daniel 9. <laughs> Daniel 9. Yes, sir. So Daniel 9, uh, we left off in 2, so verse 3. Then I set my face toward the Lord to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. So he set his face, meaning he was determined to pray. And that goes back again to prayer being the most important thing that we can do because we have to make a determination to pray. And yes, our flesh doesn't want to do it. Our minds sometimes are not going to want to do it. But we have to make a determination that we're going to be focused in prayer and communicating with God and allowing Him to communicate with us. Alright, verse 4. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps His covenant and mercy with those who love Him and with those who keep His commandments, who keeps His covenant and mercy with those who love Him, and with those who keep his commandments. So, 1 John chapter 3, 22 says what? Praying, our prayers will be answered when we obey his what? Commandments. Amen. And it's that simple. See, we don't have to come up with all these extravagant things to try to get people to say, well, well, you get your prayers answered by doing this, by doing that. Saying Hail Mary so many times or whatever. No, just obey his commandments. Be obedient to them. Same thing in Matthew 5, right? I think it's the first 10 verses. Blessed are those that do. Blessed are those. Blessed, blessed, blessed. The simple things is all he's asking for. For our obedience to his commandments. And see, Daniel says it right here. To those who keep his commandments. And see, everybody wasn't keeping his commandments. 
just like today. That's it. Doesn't matter what, what time we're in. You look at the church, look at Israel. Same thing. Same thing. Same behaviors and everything. Alright, verse 5. We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Now, notice the humility here with Daniel. Remember what I said just a little bit ago, how there is nothing negative mentioned about Daniel. And what did he say? We. He doesn't say they. He doesn't say they. He says we. He groups himself in with his people. Right? So we, we, we can't point the fingers at others neither. And, you know, I found myself even in prayer this week saying we, even for, you know, forgiveness of this country, the sins, the things that are going on, I found myself saying we because of this. But this shows the humility in Daniel and his prayer. All right, verse 6. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us shame of faith, faith, excuse me, as it is this day to men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, those near and those far off in all the countries to which you have driven them because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. O Lord, to us belongs shame of face, to our kings, our princes, our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness. Though we have rebelled against him, we have not obeyed the voice of the Lord, our God, to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so as not to obey your voice. Therefore, the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. Verse 12. And he has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our judges who judged us, by bringing upon us a great disaster, for under the whole heaven such as never been done as what has been done to Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. So let's stop right there. So we see right here, all he's saying, he's praying, all the calamities that they face, they still have not turned back to God. They still have not repented. How does this correlate to today? Yeah. We're focusing on everything out there. Whether it's COVID, whether it's vaccine, whether it's women's rights, whether it's Black Lives Matter, we're focusing on everything, but nobody's talking about repentance. Mm -hmm. Everybody's focusing what's going on on this world today, on this earth today, and how it benefits me. That's what they're saying to themselves. Mm -hmm. My rights, you can't do this to me, how about we repent? Amen. And you know what? Guess what? Let's take it back to slavery today. Slave doesn't have rights. So guess what? We're bond servants to the Lord. That's Amen. right. So we don't have no rights. Amen. We don't have no rights. All right? So, and we're just pilgrims passing through. This is not our world. We can't get caught up in the things of this world. That's what the enemy wants us to do. We're being distracted. We're talking about all this stuff from the pulpit that has nothing to do with the word of God. But it has everything to do with this world. And that right there is bringing Babylon into the church. And that shouldn't be. See, because what we should be looking at is all the people who are dying, mm -hmm. even from the virus. When's the wake-up call on when we're going to repent? Amen. Amen. And ask for forgiveness. Thank you, but we're not doing it. What we say? We want things to get back to what? Normal. Yeah, but what was normal? That's why they wanted Trump to stay in office. Because you had access to the White House. Because he protected the churches. But protected you from what? Because you weren't living in holiness. You weren't talking about holiness. But you were talking about prosperity. Talking about gifts of the Spirit. These are all things that the church as a whole was speaking about. And see, we have gotten away from the things of God. See, it's, it's even blasphemy even for the denominations. That's not God. That's man. So, every one of them are wrong. Baptist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Pentecostal, they're all wrong. That's right. Because none of that was around in the early church. Mm -hmm. 
But we created those names. So I asked somebody asked me yesterday, what denomination? And y'all, so next cause I, 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 I print out, I'm going to put denomination, just do the book. That, that, that's what I'm going to put on it. Because we're not supposed to be like that. We're not supposed to be, because that denomination stuff creates separation. And see, they may have a lot of things as the same, but there's some things that, oh, no, we believe this, we believe that. No, how about believing what's in the Word? Amen. 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 But we're going off of tradition. And see, that's what we've been getting taught for so long. Tradition. And that, that shouldn't be. But get into the Word of God, and, and, and then we wonder, like I always say, how the church got messed up. See, we focus more. Now, you can find more teachings. I bet you you Google it. You'll find more teachings out there on the, the gifts of the Spirit more than the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is the character of Christ. That's right. Mm -hmm. The very thing that we should be taking on, that we should want to bear, th that we go closer to the God, <laughs> we don't talk about. Mm -hmm. But the very thing that talks about later, see, we want all the things that Daniel had with the visions, being able to interpret dreams, have angel visitations, but we don't want Daniel's faithfulness. <laughs> right? So, Daniel was faithful to God, Daniel was faithful to the king, and Daniel was faithful to the people he was over. Living for God's good pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> and we want all the things of this world <laughs> except for being faithfulness to God. Why? Because the truth of the matter is, if we're obedient to God, guess what? We're not going to fit in this world. But we find we try so hard as a church to fit into the world and to be cool, you know, that shouldn't be. And we we switching everything up in today's society on what we teach them because we want to reach the masses. Well, guess what? Jesus reached plenty of masses by walking in truth. Walking in truth. And guess what? Even in his obedience, guess what? Miracles happen. Daniel's obedience. Miracles happen. Paul's obedience, miracles happen. But you know what? Jesus was persecuted. Paul was stoned. And see, we, we say, we, and, and even in fact that this, you know, we even been taught that, I say I've been taught, but I'm pretty sure you all heard it, in reference to faith, that the battle is always with our faith. No, the battle belongs to God. Amen. The battle belongs to God. And see, we've been taught that, have you, have you ever heard this, where, Oh, you didn't get your healing. You didn't get your blessing. So that means you didn't have enough faith. <laughs> people have said that. People, people who I follow over there have said that. Well, that's not scriptural. Like I said, the last quarter of Hebrews 11 talks about people who were stoned, who were set on fire, sawed in half, in prison, and they didn't get their, they didn't, they didn't get their blessing. But they, the Bible says they stood in faith. And it says that the world is not worthy, was not worthy of them. And you know what? It talks about at the beginning, he was living in names, names, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, and all of them. But you know what? It doesn't name names with those people. You know why? Because there's more people that probably suffered for standing in faith than those that probably received their breakthrough and their miracles. But see, what we try to do is we put ourselves on a level with Abraham, and I'm saying we as a church, <laughs> we put ourselves on a level with Abraham, put ourselves on a level with Joe. Abraham was the leader of a nation. And they all leader of a nation. <laughs> <laughs> so was Isaac and Jacob. They were leader of nations. Right? So we try to compare their, you know, our wealth. Well, Abraham was rich, so we should be rich. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Abraham had to be rich because he was the father of a nation, right? So yes, he's the father of faith, you know, but it's like we twist the scriptures and then we wonder why we're not, see, we, we speak in faith because we think we're teaching faith, but we're not living in faith because we don't know how, because we don't know the word. And we got to get back to that. All right, let me, uh, hold up. let me give you some points here. All right, first, uh, Hosea 6.6 6 says this. Actually, first, let me finish uh, reading this. Verse 14 from chapter 9. Therefore the Lord has kept the disaster in mind and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he does. Though we have not obeyed his voice, and now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name, 
as it is this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. And you know what? I'm digressing. Well, no. <laughs> so, it was God's mercy that brought them into captivity with Babylon. Because they actually got, pretty, got treated pretty well at Babylon. The worst enemy that they had was actually the Assyrians when you look at history. The Assyrians treated them the worst. So, it's God's mercy that he actually had somebody like Nebuchadnezzar there. See, the people that got killed and burnt was because of their disobedience towards uh, Nebuchadnezzar, actually towards the word of God and what God was commanding them to do. All right, verse 16. O Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because, of, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people are a reproach to all those around us. Now, therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications, and for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. O oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in a city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. O oh Lord, hear. O oh Lord, forgive. O oh Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake. My God, for your city and your people are called by your name. See, it's not about us. Daniel became a patriot for the kingdom of God, not for the nation of Israel. See, this goes back today. We're focusing so much on the United States. Don't get me wrong. Best country in the world. <laughs> I've been to other countries, and I won't choose another country over the United States to live in. But we focus so much on defending this country, and it's right, more so than the kingdom of God. And we put this country before the kingdom of God. Hosea 6.6 6 says this, For I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. So, in order to be effectively bearing the character of, of Christ, we have to, and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, said I probably talk, so I'll talk about this real quick. Um, really, we have to learn to be tolerant. That's become an evil word today. Right, because what we do is tolerant. We, we say tolerant means, oh, well, I'm going to, um, that means you're accepting this person and their faith and their religion and things like that. It doesn't mean you agree with them, but you just respect them enough for let them have whatever they believe. But we still walk out in, in, in Christ. So definition of tolerant is this. Willingness to allow existence of opinions or behaviors that one does not necessarily agree with. That is what tolerance means. And I'll read it again. Willingness to allow existence of opinions or behaviors that one does not necessarily agree with. So what does that mean? I'm tolerant, I'm tolerant if I'm at work and I'm working side by side with a Muslim. I'm not, oh, you're wrong, you did. No, I'm going to live my faith out. And guess what? They may live their faith out. But we'll see who answers, who gets their prayers answered. See, that's being tolerant. That's not coming, pointing fingers, and it's become such a... Because Daniel was actually tolerant. And you think about it. God is tolerant with us. He doesn't agree with everything we do. Does he? No. He doesn't come down and, like I said earlier, no, but he's tolerant with us. But now, in the <clears> church... We're like, no, tolerance, no. Just because the world, Babylon, focuses on tolerance one way doesn't mean we have to focus it because we got the definition. So we don't have to agree with it. God doesn't agree with everything that we do because none of us are perfect. We're going to make mistakes. And see, if God wasn't tolerant with us, then he would strike us down. So it is his mercy, yes, which causes him, which causes him to be tolerant. So how do we not do the same for others? All right, let me give these points here and I'll be quiet. All right, so reasons we should show mercy. Reason number one is we should show mercy because God has shown mercy to us. Ephesians 2 says this, uh, Ephesians 2, 4, beginning at verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, 
and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If God showed mercy and love to us, we should extend the same to others, whether they're believers or whether they're not unbelievers. That is an extension of God's love because what? If we are his branches, then we should be just like him. All right? We, we should be just like him. All right, so point number two is this. Show mercy to others because God commands it. And let me give you this. Uh, when I read Ephesians 2, it was from verse 4 to verse 10. Micah 6 8 says this, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So we should love being merciful to others. We are required to be merciful, and guess what? If we're merciful, we will reap what we sow. Point number three, last point. Show mercy because you're going to need more mercy in the future. James 2.13 says this, For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. In the day of judgment, we can stand without fear because, God's, because of God's mercy. See, we, we, we have to understand that we have to be merciful to the merciless. And this goes back to, I think, what I talked about last week, even to someone that goes out there and, God forbid, commits rape missed that crime. And you know, we still have to extend mercy to them. And especially if they repent. We don't treat them like, uh, no. No. We have to show mercy. God showed mercy to us. We should show mercy to others. And that is how people will see God in us and through us, rather. So, we have to learn to take advantage of God's mercy and not take it for granted. Alright, so, Daniel showed mercy to those who he was around. And this goes back even to, I think it was what, chapter 2, where he prayed when Nebuchadnezzar called for the slaughter of the wise men. Daniel could have been all about himself and the three evil boys. But no, he did. He said, hold on, stop. Give me time. Let us go in and pray. Why? He didn't do that just for himself. He did it for the wise men, the magicians, the astrologers. Right? Those that were practicing devilish things. Right? So we have to be merciful to the world. We don't agree with what they do, but we have to extend mercy. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I'll stop there. All right. Amen. Let's pray.